and welcome to 10 Very Big Books, a Malazian read-through podcast. My name is Peter Bond. I have read every book in the main series. And with me today is my friend and closest confidant, India Jones. She is reading the series for the first time. <laughs> Hello, all. I got there. You even, you, even, you even wrote the intro out. But sometimes I don't look at the intro because I'm like, I'm going to nail it. I don't need it, baby. Yep. I don't need a net. Um, and uh, our producer, AJ Falari, is with us. How are the levels, the bars? The levels look a little confused today, but I think we'll be fine. AJ's also reading this series for the first time. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, it's he, he he's the bright spark of this podcast and the bright spark of my life. And uh, it's Joshua... Josiah nope. uh, Butterstone Baker. Um, did you pull those names out or did you forget my middle name? Oh, I, for, I forgot it. That's what it is. Yeah. He could never forget um, your middle name. Yeah. And never forget. And uh, thanks, Francesca, for that uh, name. Is Josh reading the series for the first time? I don't remember. No, I've been lying the whole time. <gasps> I'm a fucking Malazan head. Been here for <laughs> decades. That's right. Before Steve wrote the books, yeah. he was a fan. Josh was intercepting um, all the manuscripts Steve would mail out. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> in fact, Josh actually incepted the idea of Malazan into Steve's head. Which is impressive because I wasn't alive. Yeah. It's been a long time since we've recorded a podcast. It's been a minute. I would say um, several minutes. <laughs> no, the last time we recorded was the the Chapter 7 episode, which was a, a wild undertaking. Uh, has that was some, like a month ago. Yeah, but it's gotten some really great reception. So thank you all who reached out and told us how much you appreciated it or how much you enjoyed it. It was it really, truly meant a lot because it really did take a lot of work. And it was just fun to like uh, get frisky and ma- do something different. Oh, the mm-hmm. show... We do, we do have, we've changed how we do things on the show, but like, obviously not such a dramatic format, you know? Yeah, yeah. Josh said he didn't like it, though. For the, re- for the record, you both started it and said, this isn't a good idea. And then I said, fuck, you were doing it. We got like 20 so. minutes into recording and Pete and I were like, actually, is this good? Yeah. But it was, is the thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, obviously, this week we're following up with the Bone Hunters and we're reading chapter, we read chapters 8, 9, 10, and 11. It's the end of book two. So... Uh, Enough of this chit-chat, this hit-hollering around. Let's get this episode started. Chapter 8 Perrin rides through seven cities. He remembers the Azath house, raced, and speaking to Krupp. He encounters the barrow of a jagged, Ganath. She comes free and says she must repair her bindings, and they go together to a sea. Absalar senses death in Yigatan and opens her warren to travel there. Kalam, Stormy, and Quickpen find a feast left for them by Cotillion. They eat and speak of the Skykeep and what has happened there. Amongst the 14th, Bottle's Rat is hungry and pregnant. Gessler and Faridin Sort consider the dead. Hellion's mind reels about. Cuddle thinks about deals and the Queen of Dreams. And the rat. 
Perrin and Ganath speak together about what it means to be the master of the deck. Ganath reminds him of the master of tiles, an ascendant called the Errant. She says Perrin too will be worshipped and lose his humanity. Perrin then awakens an army of dead in Raraku. Amongst them, the bridge burners. Perrin speaks to the ghosts. He wants them to awaken the Daragoth to fight Dejim Nabral. So the chapter starts and Perrin is thinking back to his time with Krupp and Raced in the Azath. We even get a little Krupp dialogue. Blessed. Um, yeah. eh. <laughs> Aj, do you think Krupp is a great tutor for him? Do you think he's like I think Krupp is a great tutor. I think he toots great. Thank you. That was a fart joke. Um, I, I mean, you know, I, I think he wiped his brow once or twice in this chapter. So that was probably some mind magic or something to be like, oh, you're, you'll be fine. You'll understand all of this in a second. <laughs> is, wait, is your thought that when Krupp gets sweaty, he's just doing magic? That's canon. <laughs> I think Krupp is just a sweaty dude. Yeah. Yeah. In Gardens of the Moon, he, when he's talking to fucking whoever he mind wipes, he, he wipes his brow and the guy's like, don't do that. I know what that means. You're trying to fucking wipe my brain and then he does it anyway (laughs) i don't remember this at all interesting krupp Krupp has pit stains this is canonical i'm not saying he's not sweaty as well he is also sweaty but um no i mean i think probably it did something I, i i don't know um i imagine there's more exchanges that we haven't seen or don't see where Krupp will just like show up and just eat a bunch of food or whatever. I think it's he's done something. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk more about Ganeth in a sec, but Ugh. I wanted to jump to, we're going to the skies. And AJ, I want you to play the Kachain Chamal theme there. The Kachain Chamal. Okay. So Josh, eh, we're in the sky keep and, you know, we're done snooping around and they find a little nice little banquet left out for them. And mm. they're like, oh, does the, do you think the food's symbolic? Do you think it means something? And, you know, I wonder if you think they ultimately found the answers that they were sent to find. Mm. Do you think they really got, do you think they're going to report back and Tavor is going to be like 10 out of 10, great job. You did exactly what I wanted you to do. First off, I think if they came back and they were like, hey, we killed God, Tavor would still be like, mm, could have been quicker. She's, uh, <laughs> I don't think she's one to give empty compliments. I honestly, I'm still a little confused as to like what their overall objective is beyond kind of learning stuff. And they did learn stuff. They didn't do it the way intended. They just kind of asked Cotillion and he gave a bunch of answers. So I, I guess, you know, I guess they've done part of what they were told to do. I'm still a little upset. I kind of wanted them to like go into this, the sky keep. I was, I wanted to see what that was like, but also I assumed they would all die if they did that. So mm-hmm. I'm glad they didn't. I don't remember what the food was, but I remember like, getting really hungry while they were eating it. It was it was pretty well done, Steve. <laughs> Part of me wants to be like, oh, well, like, you know, I don't know. There's like interesting lore here and there's like obviously reasons that. Oh, he, that made... dro- he dropped lots of, of exposition through the food. I, it, it was great. Well, not even the exposition. It's just like this whole sequence. But isn't part of it like, oh, well, these characters can't be here for Yigatan. So we need them to leave for like a few chapters. <laughs> That's 100% accurate. That's definitely kind of what it felt like. Also, can I say real quick? 
you know, when I hear think of the Sky Keeps, I just think of the, the the Sky Castles from Mario, and they're also filled with lizard people, like they're filled with Koopas in Mario. Mm-hmm. 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 Interesting. Yeah, that's kind of all I can imagine with them. The thing is this, I don't know, I'm going to guess Steve's not a big Mario fan. That's oh, just oh, my gut. Well, 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 I mean, he's a Sony boy. I mean, look at him. <laughs> of course. Right? <laughs> you think this is... So, you Sony think... do what Nintendo don't. So, <laughs> yeah. I look at Steve, and I'm, I think, two, one, this man fucks. Two, he hates Xbox. <laughs> I do just want to say, I really enjoyed um, Stormy just, like, slopping down this food. Yeah. Stormy's a good character. So, uh, whilst they are in the skies, the 14th is, um, recovering and we're, and it's the first time we do it again in chapter 10, nine, but like, there's kind of a rolling sequence of shorter, like touch-ins with different characters. So, you know, we see bottle, we see ferret and sort, we see Hellion, we see cut, you know, if you saw these people. How are you feeling about the 14th? How do you think they're doing? And did one of the soldiers stand out to you? Who is this directed to? You, Anthony. All right. Uh, I mean, there wasn't anyone that stood out specifically beside, you know, I just uh, bottle is best boy. I love having the, the you get tan the rat stuff mm-hmm. um, has bitten everybody in the 14th now as a sort of finishing of this blood ritual or whatever, <laughs> you know, this this rebirth and all that. Oh, getting Hellion's like in her head ramblings of like, oh, oh I'm gonna, so good. I'm going to kill that. Herb because yes. he fucking oh, knocked so me out. good. There, it's like Iscarl Pust adjacent, but she's not saying it out loud. It's just, it's just like that string of thought that just like keeps going. And then mm-hmm. Herb says something and she's like, huh? Oh, no, it's fine. It's great. I'm not mad. Um, no. He's like, it looks like you want to kill me. And she's like, no, what? Crazy. So funny. Very good stuff. Very good stuff. It, it's it's a, a different 14th, which I think is the intention, than, than before Chapter 7. Like, they're all, I mean, obviously, they all just went through this entire huge ordeal, so they're all very exhausted, but everyone is just kind of, like, chilling. <laughs> like, everyone's just kind of chilling out and stuff. There is that one part where Smiles does throw a knife again, which is still very good, but for the most part, they're all just kind of, like, recovering, I guess, um, which was interesting to see, because, like, we've seen them in camp like wanting to kill each other and now they're just kind of in camp with each other you know what i mean mm-hmm. um it feel it feels different to me uh and then the part where yikitan does wind up biting bottle and he's just like you bitch it's after that whole thing about how they're connected and like yeah. how that's yeah. why yeah. He's yeah. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't need to get bit <laughs> <We're good. laughs> that's funny I really like when I think Cuddle's there. I forget. I, I, it might have been later, but they're talking. They're like, yeah, I think everyone will just think the Malazans burned it down. Like you met some deal. Like, why would they believe this story about fanatics and all this? And mm-hmm. they're like kind of talking about what the idea of Yucatan will be in the culture, which I mm-hmm. thought was just a really interesting conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did anyone else get a little worried when that rat was biting people? And then like the next part of the chapter is just like plague. It's here. Like, I just, <laughs> I'm just like, ooh. I hope not. Maybe it's like a um, maybe that's like a vaccination situation. Like it's only a little bit, mm, just like a, just like a tiny bite, just a little bit of the plague. Um. <laughs> um. <laughs> what, Pete? Did you not like the vax joke? Does does that make? <laughs> um. No. <laughs> I liked the vax joke. So, <laughs> India. That's my name. Perrin meets this. Jagut and her name's Ganath and they start speaking about what it means for him to be master of the deck. 
she talks about the master of the tiles and the errant kind of losing its his humanity and like becoming this like thing, you know. And then they speak to all these ghosts and they awaken the bridge burners. So what did you make of all of this sequence? And what did you make of this idea that like Perrin is almost destined to become this figure of worship and that he's going to become kind of this target of blood and become powerful and become ultimately like the errant? Well, I don't know it, it, that I'm not, I didn't feel super uh, anything about it. It's hard for me to get when they talk about those kinds of things. So to be honest, I didn't really pick up much of that at all. I thought it was cool when they brought out like hedge and stuff. And now he's like a part of the gang again. I thought that was fun and interesting. But as far as, um, you know, him becoming super, super powerful, I have no concept or idea of what that means or what's going to happen or what he can do or what he like, what his next kind of things are. Even in the chapter, I'm just kind of like, as he's going through all of these situations, I'm just, I don't understand the end game. So Mm. that conversation just kind of went right over this head. Mm. However, I am happy that Hedge is back. I don't understand anything about the ghosts at all. AJ, what do you think? Do you think Perrin's one to be seduced by power? I mean, I don't think anybody is like, yes, I will be corrupted by power. I don't think anybody get really like (laughs) presents that energy uh, unless they're like full on evil, I guess, or whatever. But uh, I mean, it could happen, I guess. Like Just if look he at becomes... the Stanford prison experiment. Mm. Well, there's... There, there's a lot of flaws to, the, yeah, to that, a, wasn't there? There's there's a lot of flubs and fakes in the Stanford prison experiment. Anyway, I, I guess it could happen, right? Like, given enough time or whatever, but I don't know. Parents such a, a good boy, you know? I'd like to think that it won't happen. Hmm. I mean, absolute power corrupts absolutely, you know what they say. <sighs> I mean, that's true, but does Perrin have absolute power? Like, what? Master of the deck? Uh, yeah, I guess Look so. what happened to the Aaron. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, but, like, what happened to the Aaron? They just kind of became indifferent, right? That's kind of their whole thing. Um, was it surprising to have the Aaron show up? In the, uh, yeah, I did yeah. I did not see that coming. And more, the last thing to kind of bun on this, Josh, the bridge burner's back. The boys! Yep. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I mean, right. did you think they weren't going to be back? If so, you've not been reading the same books as me. Mm. So you you feel like you were kind of caught up from downtown, Charlie Brown. Uh, I didn't know that that was his plan, but like when they came up, I was like, yep, okay. At first, I thought he was going to take that whole army, and I thought we were going to have a fucking Aragorn moment, but then he was like, no, I need a crack squad. <laughs> so... Uh, Only the best. Yeah. Um, can I say real quick, because you said we were going to talk about her later. I want to bring up with uh, Ganeth, not anything about her personally, but this series as a whole has a real mm, af- affection for characters stumbling along upon long buried Jag Hut <laughs> coming up from the ground at the precise moment they would cross it's a, it's paths. It's a theme. With, yeah, yeah, it's happened a number of times at this point, and it's... I do enjoy it very much that we mm. just keep having these jagged pop up. Mm-hmm. So just want to mm-hmm. throw that out there. It's not even only when they're waking up. It's always like, well, Josh, you step into the warren to a long forgotten world. And what's that? Oh, the one place just this, the guy is here. Greg yep. is here. He just, yeah. He's, yeah. he's the only person on the world, but he happens to be here. Yeah. You know, so good. Which, listen, that's the type of thing I don't care about. Obviously, like, I don't know. A that's story like, is happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like exactly. Things need to happen. Huh. Nice try, Cinema Sims. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Let's let's thank our Patreon Call sponsors it out and keep going. Sins. Jesus. Well, that was a sound. What the fuck was that? I don't know. That was a baby pterodactyl just flew out of India's <laughs> mouth. Apparently. It just Jeez. it felt right. Let's AJ keep it in okay. keep it in the show. Yeah, oh it's there. God. That's actually how we're gonna enter the Patreon segment now. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone give your Patreon shriek. <laughs> warm and tight thank you to ryan zed hot zest tommy david jacob brian melanie bill noah petter or peter sophia demon troll reed ryan paul malpraxis candy lineup and katie thanks again yeah, thanks everybody. It's been Whoa. a minute since we recorded a Patreon. Thank you. So there was a fair amount of you. Very much appreciate it, uh, as we always do. Now let's get into it. Chapter 9 Akarium Awakes He is in the care of Terlac Veed. Veed explains that they were attacked and Akarium saved them. That Veed is his trusted keeper. That it is his sworn duty to protect Akarium and guide him to complete his great task. Akarium is taken aback when Veed describes a great slaughter Akarium once led. But Akarium places his trust in the man, and they agree to travel to the coast together. Hiborik and the others enter the city that was the site of Akarium's slaughter. Here, Hiborik speaks to ghosts and feels the burdens of the gods on him. He speaks about the ghosts' need and not understanding them. Skalara says all the gods are the same god. Greyfrog watches the group and sees their troubles. Samar, Dev, and Karsa travel together, seeing a local tribe, and then the Bedarin, the tribe hunts. To prove a point, Karsa kills one of the Bedarin, and Samar, Dev watches. Dejim Nebral is recovering after the battle. Two of its bodies were killed by the trail. To help its recovery, it ambushes a slave trade caravan. Escarl Pust dumps fish into the sea. Then he takes his mule and with haste enters his warren. Bogara is not far behind. Pust finds the caravan being ambushed by Dejim Nabral. After scattering the divers with sorcery, Pust follows the trail to where Mappo has fallen. The trail is badly injured. Bogoro arrives and begins healing Mappo. Magoro suspects they are here on Shadow Throne's behalf. Magoro weaves spider webs all over the body to heal Mappo. Lestari Yil is awoken by Cotillion, who stands in the moonlight. Cotillion says he has brought her to an abandoned temple of Roshan to recover. He asks her then about Pearl and her feelings for him. 
Tillian says soon she will have to choose between Pearl and everything he stands for, and the adjunct and the 14th. Cotillion then visits Mogoro and Pust, and says that this healing of Mappo is indeed Shadow Throne's doing. Morgara veers into spiders and leaves. So Josh, Akarim awakes to Tarlac Veed and is told of his purpose and task. And at this point, it kind of becomes clear more what the Nameless One's goal is, maybe, what Tarlac Veed is up to, what this kind of thing's been going to. So... What's your impression of Tarlac Veed, and what do you think this task that he's trying to use Akarium for might be? I have never felt more confused by a plot line, I think, <laughs> than this one in this story. Really? Well, first off, I thought Tarlac... I thought this was a flashback at first, because I forgot about Tarlac, because he, he's done, like, nothing in the book, besides, like, drink his own piss. Um, sure. And so that doesn't make him very memorable in my book. So I thought this was a flashback before... Mapo. Then when I figured out it wasn't, I was like, how the fuck are you going to do your man Mapo like that, Akari? And I got very upset about that. But I'm still kind of confused about what the nameless one in Veed's, like, I thought he was being, I thought he was being used to kill the thingy, the denim of brawl. But was he actually supposed to kill Mapo? I don't know. Yeah, I think he was just tracking Dejim Nabral. Okay. To... And that, oh, that's right, because that was going to be used to kill Mapo and Akaria, maybe. But do they want Akaria alive? I don't know. None of it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I think the nameless <laughs> ones are the most sort of opaque thing that I've, I've been, we've had so far in terms of like overall ambition. Mm. Does, did it make sense to AJ or Inge? Uh, no, I, I forgot that Mappo got thrown off a cliff because <laughs> we've done so much other stuff in between then. So I immediately I was like, wait, where's Mappo? Yeah, we yeah, just missed yeah. this huge plot. But then I then I, I gradually remembered. But I do think this is like, I, I don't know, masterstroke manipulation, but also like it's a guy who forgets everything. So I guess it's not that yeah. hard. Is he are they just trying to get him to destroy something again or like that's what I feel like? Yeah, right. I th I think because there was they definitely the want him to do something bad that Mappo has been trying to get him to not do for like centuries. Yeah, well, there's so in the next section, not to skip ahead, but Haboric, uh, I don't remember if he's talking to someone or if he's just like remembering the thoughts of the Jade Hands or whatever, tells the same story that Tarlac Veed tells Akarium, but there's like a key difference of like, Tarlac Veed's like, oh, you did this for revenge, and yes, Haboric's yes, version yes. is like, oh, you did, he did this on accident. Yeah. Um, Way so different. I think Tarlac Veed's like MO is to get Akarium to do this thing again. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that was my, that's my read on the, the Tarlac stuff. Interesting. I guess I kind of viewed this scene as like, man... Like, I think it's a great scene, and I feel I like it's, it's so yeah. fun to read it from his point of view, Terlac. I guess I thought this was going to be a really crystallizing scene for you guys to read, so I guess I was kind of surprised that Josh was a little confused about it, you know? Crystallizing um, in what way? I feel like we didn't really learn much. Crystallizing about life and its great meaning. Um, <laughs> okay. So let's move on to talking about the city that actually you mentioned, AJ, the city where that it's like, oh, it's like actually someone killed Akarium's friend. So then like Akarium destroyed the city. Like this is kind of the tale Haboric recounts, you know? Right, right. 
And I would say Habork is having a bad time, you know, uh, and he is really speaking about the burdens he's feeling of like these of, of the all these ghosts he's hearing now and all of these gods that are asking for of him, you know. Yeah. But to whom do you think his faith is most devoted to, AJ? Like, do you think it's in this group of travelers or do you think it's with these other powers? I I think reasonable Haboric or like not ghost possessed Haboric or whatever wants to be loyal to the people he's with. But I think like weird Jade Hands vision Haboric is like, no, you need to do this higher power thing. You need to like, you know, whatever the time ghosts tell you to do, you should do that. So I think it's part of his like, you know, I guess insanity is like him fighting these uh urges i guess for for lack of a better phrase i don't know it's it just seems like the ghosts and stuff of the desert are like trying to guide him in a direction and tell him to do stuff and he's like not fully sure if he wants to do it like there's a part he says he's drowning just with like all of the the things that he can sense and feel because he has all the treach like heightened senses and stuff but also he can see time or whatever the fuck so like he's mm-hmm. kind of just like there's too much happening so i do i feel very i feel very bad for our boy i agree it feels yeah. really bad when you read it and it's like clearly he is just it's almost just like sensory overload yeah do you mean it's At just all like times <laughs> yep yeah yeah and obviously there's just also this element of like it's about faith and it's about like what identity you have and, and mm. what responsibilities lie where, you know? Yeah. Yeah. How much of yourself do you give to your faith and all that? And, mm-hmm. and do yeah. we know where they're going? They're going to the Ototero Island right, right, um, right, right, where right. the where the prison was that they were kept in the second book. They're going to the Jade Hand is where they're trying to get to. I see. Uh, I didn't realize that the Ototero Island was where Skull Cup was. Yep. Got yep. it. Cool. Oh, okay. (laughs) Neat. So there's this scene where Karsa hunts and kills this Bedouin, Samar Dev. They kind of talk then about this tribe that's kind of untouched. And they kind of, I guess it's kind of a conversation about tribes in a way. And I think it's kind of a proxy in some way about Karsa. And then he kills this Bedouin. What did you make of seeing these two? We haven't seen them in a bit. It's very much one of those scenes where, like, Karsa's just like, I'm strong, fuck you. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then that's all that happens. <laughs> and, and then and then Samar Dev is like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess he is strong, fuck me. And it's like, okay, well, cool, I guess. <laughs> I <don't>... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Iskaropus comes to save the caravan, and because uh, Dejim Nabral attacks this caravan. And then after he, like, saves Mapotrel, or really, Mogara does, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And... India later, it's kind of confirmed that like Shadow Throne sent him to save Mapo Trell. And um, why do you think Shadow Throne sent his high priest onto this task? You know, that's a very good question, <laughs> Peter. That's a really good question. And well, here's one Would you trust to send a Scarlpus to do important tasks for you? Honestly, <laughs> maybe. I hate his character, but you know, he's. They seem to get results, so... Yeah. In in this scene, I was just like, oh, man, the Dejan de Brawl, like, destroyed Maponacaria. Like, I don't know what he's gonna do. And then he just doesn't even, like, really explain what it looks like. He just vaporizes them yeah. all. Which <laughs> yeah. is just absolutely insane. 
I'm just saying, Scarlet gets results. Yes. Yeah. You, know, you can't say he doesn't deliver the goods. Yeah. yeah. I didn't understand how powerful this dude was. Yeah. I, I like this scene for me was adjacent to the one at the end of Midnight Tides where we get the view of the, the soul taken wolf or whatever, who's like, this is going to be our world. And then immediately yeah. gets destroyed. Like, cause we get, we get inside the Dejan, uh, Dejan head and he's like, I could make two more of myself, but maybe I'll conserve it for now. Oh, look, I'm going to go kill this fucker. And then Scarlet Pusch is like, Boo-boo. it's very good. Very good stuff. Also just shout out to Bogora, literally one of my favorite characters and her bursting into spiders is yeah. just like a top 10 yeah. a- awesome thing. Really, you know? really, really, really good. I wish when I left rooms, I could just burst into spiders and disappear, you know? <laughs> yeah. Do you think her clothes burst into spiders? I-, I know this isn't like this is cinnamon sins shit, but like what do you like? How does the clothes get around? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it all I think it all just turns into spiders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so, too. <laughs> I also like how she moves the moon. Yeah. I just, the, the spider web thing is so cool too. Ugh. It's all really good. We'll talk, we'll talk about it later. There's more in the next chapter. But the final chapter in this scene, uh, India, Lestara Yil is like kind of rescued. She's brought to this temple and Cotillion tells her soon she's going to have to make this choice between like Pearl and the Empire and what it stands for and the adjunct and the 14th. Like, what do you think she'll choose and why do you think she'll have to make this choice? You know, you're really throwing these these questions and and I, I just don't feel like I'm the most equipped to answer them. But all that to say, I think that Lestara is going to do what is the best option for her. She seems very logical, in my opinion. So I just think whatever seems right is going to be what she chooses. This was a total dodge, Inge. You didn't say that you didn't pick one at all. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, (laughs) You know, why would she pick the Empire? I don't think she's going to pick the Empire. I don't think she's going to pick Pearl. Probably something like, like, I don't know. (sighs) India, I'm fully in the same boat. I don't think she's going to pick either, but I cannot present a third option. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's like, I don't, I mean, why is she even working with Cotillion? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Is this also the chapter where she, like, finds out that they met back in the day? Yeah, he, like, he yeah, confirms yeah. it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But we kind of knew that. We from knew. House I think I, I think No, we I, knew, but yeah, did she yeah. know? No, I don't think she knew. But she, they, they make it clear in this chapter, too. Cotillion's like, oh, we're cool. We don't have any debts or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why is she working for him then? I, I I don't know if I would say she's working for him. I don't know if I'd characterize that. Like what would that. you characterize it as? Um, maybe they're like friendly neighbors, something like that. Mm. So she's she's bringing him a cup of sugar, really. I think Cotillion brought her a cup of sugar one time, mm. and now she's returning the favor by <laughs> making a mystery third choice. <laughs> Like, Josh, if I told you, oh, Lestar is going to choose Pearl and the Empire. I still don't know what that means. Mm. Well, that's what I'm trying to get at. Like, why do you think she'll have to make this choice? Do you know what I mean? Like, what is what does this even mean? You know, who fucking knows, Peter? Yeah, who fucking knows? That's why I read the goddamn books. (laughs) (laughs) If I knew that, then I I would read them. I agree. I I think it's because Pearl is going to try and choose Lestara instead of the Empire. So he's going to, you know, no, try no. and defect or something. No, no. Per- the choice is going to be like they're going to have to like it's going to be some bullshit because if it's 
the Empire versus choosing with Tavor, that means there's got to be some kind of conflict between them. What mm. that conflict, that conflict doesn't necessarily mean that like they're like armed insurrection or something, but it's got to be something between those two sides. Mm. Honestly, the idea, my question seemed better on paper. It, it, I <laughs> thought it was going to be a good question, didn't turn out to be the, a winner, yeah. you know? Yeah. But you can't win them all, yeah. you know? You miss 100% yeah. of the shots you don't take. <laughs> that, that put it on a plaque baby um <laughs> all right let's keep things rolling chapter 10 at the scorched ruins of yigatan quick ben kalam and stormy return they speculate about what has happened and they sense something Absalar sees them approaching. Curl and Tellerist are nervous about Quickben. They speak together. Absalar says the scent of the gods is on them. Hood, Cotillion, and the fire of life. Quick thinks the gods are at war and needs to get to the bottom of it. Stormy and Kalam agree they all need to catch up to the 14th. Hellion promotes both Touchy and Breathless to be corporals. Gessler looks back and thinks again of truth. Bottle argues with smiles about keeping the rat Yigatan. She has litter now. Korak is picking out bones. Fiddler and Gessler reunite with Quick and the others. They all head towards the 14th. Fiddler wants Quick Ben and Bottle to meet. Perrin speaks with Hedge and Ganath. They stand astride a long-forgotten world. Ganath says this predates the Holds, that this is a dangerous realm where Perrin's sword would become mundane. Perrin calls the Tregal Trade Guild to try to cross the realm. Hedge speaks to Perrin about the Bridgeburners, ascending and being finished with war. After Perrin speaks about Ascendance and Will. Together they cross a bridge, losing many soldiers, but coming to the wreckage of a carriage. The path has been cleared by the Hounds of Shadows that were once imprisoned in Dragnapur. At the end of the path, they find a lake that shouldn't be there, and they hear a terrible cry. AJ! Uh, Anthony Jr. Hello. The forbidden name. The forbidden name. The Brigadoon of our podcast. <laughs> there is a there is a reunion here at Yigatan as Quick Ben, Kalam, and Stormy return and uh-huh. piece together what has happened. Uh-huh. They meet Absalar, and together they speak of gods and the fourteenth. What do you think it means that these three? Like, what do you think it's gonna? Like, we talked about it earlier, but what do you think it's gonna mean that these three did not fight in the battle? like the rest of the 14th um what do i think it'll mean for who for these characters mm. honestly not much like I, I i think they'll be bummed about it but i don't think it's gonna be like i think more it'll be people well i don't know i was gonna say it's gonna be more people being upset at them than them being upset that they weren't there but i think maybe that malice might turn the three of them to be like, why were we sent to this Warren when we knew that this thing was happening? Yeah. Um, 
Like, was this a deception? Like, I, I, I'm, I'm curious to, did they put together the fanatic stuff or no? It was just like, they found the oil and then were like, yeah, that burned the city down. My, my memory's shaky, but I, I believe they did put together that it was not, that this was like kind of a terrible conflagration in that way, you okay. know? Yeah, there's some residue, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just... Uh, I don't know. I think it's not going to be like a huge thing, but it's going to have effects that I just can't think of right now, I guess. Yeah, sure. Because like these three characters aren't super like, I mean, from what we've seen, at least they're not super like introspective, like, oh my gosh, these things that I did, like what, what are their effects on other people? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of just like they go and do shit and it's like, wow, this is a wild thing that just happened. Anyway, next thing. Um, like, yeah, yeah. So it'll be curious to see if there we get some of this like introspection from these characters. Um, I mean, the most we've seen is is Kalam, I think. But even that stuff like wasn't super substantive in terms of like self-reflection and stuff. Mm, yeah, I don't know if I would characterize them that way. But I mean, I do think they're less in their heads than other characters who are definitely yeah. like really in their heads, you mm-hmm. know? Mm hmm. Yeah, I guess maybe that's what it is. Just like compared to other characters in this in this book or in, in this series, it's like these three I wouldn't put up as like super deep, you know, hmm. not in All that right. way, I guess. Well, who they meet is Absalar, you know, uh, Absalara, you know, not uh, Absalar, and not Absalar, not Absalar. You're, you're right. Not yes. Absalar. Thank uh, you. And uh, Josh. So Absalar speaks with Quick Ben, and mm-hmm. to me, it does feel like there's kind of this sizing each other up energy. Loved it. You know? Yeah. Like they're almost like rivals in the schoolyard or something. I don't know. Like, did, did you feel that? Do you feel like they're positioned against each other? I feel like Absalar is a wonderful character because the dynamic of any group she joins it has to change. And I find that very interesting. So, like, prior to Absalar getting here, I was like, okay, well, I know we have the the what's-her-face fake Stormwall lady as their captain, but, like, Quick Ben's back. So he's, like, de facto leader. He'll decide where they go and all that stuff. And then Absalar comes in and ha- and she's a near equal to him and, as sh- mm. and shows that she is not afraid to just push him on what he thinks is the right choice. And I really like that we get that change in dynamic because I was like not very interested in Quick Ben just being like, all right, gang, let's get out of here. And they just <laughs> magically get back to the 14th. I think it's going to be more interesting now with her in there. So I like that. I think it's cool. I fully agree. I think that's a really sh- sharp thing you said about Absalar. You and know? and I-, I love that she like immediately calls him on being like associated with hood and that causes an immediate rift between him and uh kalam which goes Mm -hmm. to show like we see so many pairs in this series that are like really really buddy buddy and it's easy to think that everyone's like not like you you would like in my mind they weren't hiding anything from each other i always assume those two are on the level but like apparently not you know we've got a whole side thing with hood going on that quick bends hiding from everyone so that i just i i the the attention she lends is so good i just love when she's just one of my favorite characters in the book love when she shows up you know mm-hmm. yeah there's a, she has a really great uh when she calls quick ben out on being like having talked to hood recently she also references kalam's relationship with cotillion and stormy's relationship with that talani mass and the fire of life and she says thus fire shadow and death drawn together even as the forces and gods of such forces find alignment against a single foe um which mm. i just thought was interesting yeah, yeah. um hmm <laughs> Mm. Mm. <laughs> um, 
who could who knows so india at the end of the chapter we can talk about hedge parent like you know we're doing more and they there's this whole other world thing but before we get there i do want to talk about the 14th a bit you know once again we have one of these sequences of checking in with a lot of different soldiers hellion does some promotions gessler's thinking of truth there's some more yigatan the rat stuff did any of these stand out to you? What are you thinking about the 14th now that they're kind of recovering? Um, I never liked the 14th because I find them to be boring. And Hellion makes it wow. a little better because she's funny at least. Wow. And I, but honestly, it's really, the chapter itself actually wasn't that bad. I think, how do I feel about the 14th? I don't really have any feelings about them, but it seems, I don't even know where they're going and... I guess the only thing that really stood out to me would be nothing. What happened mm. other than where are they going? Also, are we scared that they're going to all get the plague thing and die? It's certainly on the table. <laughs> I got to tell you, you know, maybe it's trite or whatever. Reading about the plague, not fun. I'm not enjoying reading about the plague. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, I know that's like just because of, you know, it's it's like not a criticism of the book. It's just like. I don't find it fun to read about a fantasy plague nowadays. Do you mm. mean that's mm. like when I open up the book and it's time to read about fantasy plague? Um, I'm actually having a bad time, you know. So yeah. um, I, I that like it's just kind of an unfortunate timing that this is just an element of the Bone Hunters, you know. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just wanted to note that I'm not enjoying that. That's where Peter's at in my personal sense. It you know, ha- it has been noted, but that's just you know. A terrible coincidence. So yeah, uh, Yigatan has babies, so that's something. I, sim- whole litter, yeah, a whole litter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> every time Gessler is in the book now, I get sad. <laughs> Why? Because he's because about truth. Every single time, it's like, man, truth's dead. That sucks. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, man, that oh. sucks. I just am really the pandemic sucks. You know. <laughs> oh, that's what you were getting at. The okay. pandemic sucks, guys. Wait, Josh, did you not? No, I didn't understand. I I'm was just, just saying, like, yeah. we haven't talked about we haven't talked about it much on the show. I'm just getting on the record. Mm. We barely ever talk about it, you know? Yeah. But pandemic sucks. Yeah. I hate it, and it's been terrible. It continues to be terrible, mm-hmm. and I don't like it. I don't like it very much. Yeah. And it's fair. I this is not even cathartic because it's not going to end. There's no ending. It's just going on and it's still terrible in so many places. It just fucking sucks. It, I'm, I, I hate it and I wish there was a release from this fucking hell time, you know? Yeah. Well, fucking Christ. We're all just having a bit of a, a moment now. Yeah. <laughs> Brief intermission. Mm-hmm. Back to... Back to Absalar and the crew. Yigatan, the let's babies. Talk, let's talk let's talk about Perrin, Hedge Ganath. Mm. Mm. We finally get to the cover of the book of well, the edition of Bone Covers Bone Hunters I read. There's the Trigal Trade Guild. Uh, there's these Hounds of Shadows. This so Josh, ruled. What what do you what do you make all this? A lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff going on. Hedge speaks like on behalf of the bridge burners now like they enter this new realm mm-hmm. the forgotten realm uh the f- i think this, this was the coolest shit ever. i loved this whole sojourn you, yeah loved every bit of it you're reviving oh yeah vibing hard with this first off anytime the trickle trade guild we get to learn more about them love it they mm-hmm. are so fascinating to me i think it's incredibly fun 
Uh, so loved that. But Hedge played this real fucking cool. <laughs> for like, there's no, there's not very many stakes for Hedge. They can't, they can't get killed again, you know. But I love, sure. I love that Hedge just like kind of doesn't. He's just like, I'm just, I'll be there, you know. Uh, see you <laughs> across the, see you across the deadly bridge. Bye. Uh, no. Thought that's cool. The, the whole like weird creatures, which I was very curious when the creatures were attacking. I was like, is this a creature we know about? Like, should I recognize what these are? But I, I couldn't figure that out i couldn't i don't know if you guys did or not but i didn't recognize i don't think so so. yeah okay good that makes me feel better um but the fights were brutal i was glad i was kind of worried honestly that perrin might like get got where he was like i'll just stay on the horse and i was like why (laughs) there's a a carriage (laughs) why would you stay on the horse so but i thought it was really cool i feel bad for the fucking shareholders um there's like there's some capitalism allegories to be made here i'm sure Especially the one who, like, is getting killed and I think is just like, nah, it's cool. I've got a wife and kids. They'll get my insurance. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like, it was so that was terrible, but it was pretty good. Well, and then one of them later, someone dies and they're like, oh, good for his family. And they're like, that one didn't have a family. <laughs> this sucks now. And I was like, well, this is not fun anymore for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's less fun now. <laughs> I... Every t- Steve told us in book two, after we interviewed him, that we were going to see, like, this zone with the where, where the Salada and stuff is, um, and these kind of, like, Warren zones. He told us we'd see him a bunch. I did not fully comprehend just how, apparently, this zone that they were in before is hyper important, because we're back there, I feel like. I know this is where, in book, hold on, let's get this right, because we're back in the area, where in book mm. four... Yes. Troll mm. Sangar got left and met up with Andros, whatever. Onrak, yeah. Yep, and they went and they got out through that zone with and the- And they freed the Hounds of Shadow. Freed the Hounds of Shadow, right. So we got that, okay? So we're in that zone. But that zone was also, I think, alluded to be the zone that Salanda was in based upon it being a flooded warren. Yeah. Um, but then I also am curious because we know that the Sengar, whatever the what's the what's the young Sengar's name? I forget his name for the second. The Emperor Rulad. Rulad flooded a Warren. For mm-hmm. all we know, this could be the Warren he flooded. Mm-hmm. We don't know whether or not it is. It might make sense that it is, since then he brought Troll to this place. So that could be it. And we've also seen this zone through Karsa's eyes. I just there's so many. If this if it's all the same zone, then shit's crazy in this area um and now we're learning that the zone is not just some flooded warren but in fact like the ancient boneyard or whatever bullshit it's just mm. craziness I, I love all of it mm. and there's a lot of dog lore going on a lot, a lot, of, lot dog of hound lore a lot of a lot of a lot of da- dog talk i could i, I can't think decide. you could call it dogma <laughs> i guess <laughs> I think Josh, I'm I'm gonna use the veto on that one. I, I think I, that's I, fair. I'm, I said it, and I was like, "That's not what dogma means." Damn it! No. I know we've done who let the dogs out before, but there's just a lot of dog talk in this book. There is in yeah. this in the in these chapters. In this section, you know, yeah. sad that they find that merchant like strung up and fucking. Oh yeah, ritualistically killed. Which yeah. again, like that that has a lot of questions to be answered because. House of Chains did not happen that long ago. No. Yeah. So, so wh- where's the in between? We, we, we've missed a journey yeah. here. Someone came here and found those two people who got killed by that cool ass bear. Did not get to see enough of that cool bear. Um, really? Where did he get sent again? He, 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 got, did... he got sent to the shadow zone. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Shadow Realm. Damn it, I got my Yu-Gi-Oh <laughs> reference wrong. Yeah, you fucking idiot. <laughs> fucking Christ. I'm a God. I'm a you call yourself idiot. a gamer. <laughs> All right, I'm like totally out of it over here. Should we move to chapter eleven? <laughs> yeah, we're just we're really just kind of like throwing, th- like just it's just kind of going at this point. No, I mean, yeah, this was this part of the chapter was just like, wow, th- all this cool shit happened. <laughs> yeah, I think it's tough because like these chapters like did not like a lot of it was just cool dialogue. You know what I mean? There was much mm. less, and like each like there were fewer scenes compared to like a chapter mm. seven. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Um. So strong let's move agreement on. and strong <laughs> so let's move on then yeah chapter 11 Haborg travels together with Cutter they speak of the throne of war jade statues and those who worship gods Cutter speaks with Scalara about people and their value She says people just suck the land dry, that the promise of something better beyond death is brilliant. Cutter thinks this idea means absolution. Mapotrell is stirring, but his body is marked by spider webs. He first awakens in a dream in the shattered land of Jakaruku, only a few years after the fall of the crippled god. He speaks with a queen who will be driven from her land. She says that Mapo has been replaced by Terilac Theed, who wishes to use Ikarium for the needs of the Nameless Ones. She thinks she knows what Shadow Throne's plan is. Then Mapo awakens to Ascaropust and Mogara. Perrin narrowly escapes a monstrous bear He makes a card and sends the beast into it. The others with Perrin look down on five massive black statues. Hedge says the other two were killed by Karsa. Perrin speaks then with Ganath about Desimbaclus, the Daragath, and the Hounds of Shadows. Perrin then finds a small temple near the statues where a few surviving Trigal Trade Guild members are. They think the Daragath will be close, and Hedge starts to plan to blow the statues up. Perrin, however, starts to wonder if when the Daragath are released, whether they would chase after their Hounds of Shadow counterparts. So he uses a card to communicate with Shadow Throne about the idea. After a lengthy consideration of the idea, Shadow Throne declares it to be pure genius and sends the Hounds to seven cities. As they plan to destroy the statues, one of the Daragoth appear. Ganath leads them onto a glacier into a new realm. However, the carriage slides out of control and wrecks. Some shareholders are dead, and they have a few undead tagalongs, but they decide to make camp. Hedge emerges from hiding, happy as plan worked. Scalara thinks on her past and how she ended up in Vidithal's cult. She thinks the crippled god will find many followers if left to himself. Nearby, Habor considers what it means to be destriant and the purveyor of a god's justice. As they reach an old hut, suddenly chaos erupts and they are ambushed by Talani Mass. 
a confusing bloody skirmish, and Cutter is reaching, reaching into nothingness. India, what do you think? Uh, they're having this conversation, Cutter, Scalara, they're talking about whether humans are good, and then they talk about life after death and whether it means absolution or whatever. Uh, <laughs> what do you think? You a big life after death lady? <laughs> no, I'm. In fact, I'm not. And you know, they just all seem really uh, like they're not feeling it in the Scalara Cutter, Felsen, and Haboric. They're all just kind of like pissed. It seems nobody's really vibing at all. Yeah. I think they could use some orange slices or just like a nice nap. Just a, a break, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, Scar's pissed off and pregnant. Nobody understands. Yeah. Bellison's just Free like... Free will doesn't exist. Yeah, it's it's a mess for them. <laughs> um, so, I don't... That, that, but also, no life after death. Aj, what do you think? <laughs> About life what, after you, death? I, 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 like, love these scenes. What do you think of these scenes? I know we, like, early on debated about how much we liked these. Um, the, I mean, this like group I, of, I, I like this group. I like the, the journey that they're going on. I'm just like, uh, I don't know. This scene is kind of just like Scalara. I don't know. I guess like telling me things I already know, which are like, there is no way to truly have free will with all these hierarchies and stuff set up. And if you don't have, you know, the power, then you don't really have choice and et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, well, yeah, that tracks. <laughs> Yeah, um, but I mean, I thought it was, uh, you know, it's good. The, the the crippled god comes up here, um, mm-hmm. which was I've heard of him, which was which was fun uh, in reference to Bidithal, right? Yeah, it was the crippled god. Yeah, they idea. talk about it later on, which is which was an interesting little. That was before they get attacked. There's a whole conversation. And there's been a fair amount of Bidithal talk in this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of unavoidable, right? Like a lot of this stuff, a lot of the the reasons that these characters are together are because of like kind of what happened with Bidithal in the in Shaikh's camp, right? Yeah. And Scalara is given such a short introduction. She's like barely a character in House of Chains. So mm-hmm. I think it's kind of nice to get into mm-hmm. understanding more about that character's life. Yeah, absolutely. AJ, so uh, you mentioned earlier, you asked me, you were like, oh, have I heard Ardata before? Mm-hmm. Is this mm-hmm. like a new name? But then we go and, uh, you know, Mappo in this spider web thing wakes up in Jakaruku. There's speaks to this person. There's this whole this thing what'd you make of this dreamlike conversation honestly my notes for this section this combo actually kind of went over my head <laughs> really <laughs> um, um yeah but yeah i did ask you about our data in the in the in-betweens in, in our one of our little breaks so i mean if you want to explain this section to me go for it josh did it <laughs> land for you i really liked it yeah i don't know who some of these people are but Again, we're seeing that the gods are having no issue using these people, uh, and they all have different schemes, I guess, because we don't know, we just know it's a queen who's t- who he's talking with, right? And we don't know yeah. who. And we, I mean, I would hope it's not the queen of dreams, since I currently don't like her since she went with fucking Leoman. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, he was dreaming and talking to a queen, so hard to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, I-, I do want to point out, I want to real quick talk about the, the Magora healing shit. Did we talk about that? No. We alluded to it. Kind it of, is yeah. what it again. I there are just so many characters in this world that are great, and Megora is not one of them until she's like, 
Let me just real quick piss on you and make the moon heal you. Also, here's some spider webs. Oh, yeah, I and forgot just, about this. <laughs> yeah, like just that is some like power of womanhood magic shit and i was here for it especially since we said we have a scene later i think where shadow thorns like she moved the goddamn moon i don't get <laughs> yeah. how she did it and i just think it's really funny it's it's really good and mm, to touch back on this scene with mapo i almost don't know what to make of it in a way because it's a scene i loved reading and i really really enjoyed but i am aware that i absolutely did not understand it the yeah. first time through <laughs> and it's in these exact types of scenes that often left me feeling frustrated or i didn't know why i like like why are we doing this right now do you yeah. mean like it's not what i wanted out of the story but now obviously i i really enjoy reading it you know so uh, what's that balance out to what does that mean i don't know but <laughs> i enjoyed reading it this time so mm -hmm. nice nice that's just a little fact about <laughs> me i guess yeah it was cool well i'll let you know how i feel about this scene in three years then when i read it again yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah. when we when you reread <laughs> bone hunters get back yeah. to me yeah <laughs> all right uh so this whole scene continues in this foreign realm uh, the statues are there. They talk more. Then there's Perrin has this plan. He's like, I'm going to release the Daregoth and then the Hounds of Shadows are going to be there. And then we're all going to kill Dejim Nabral. India, what do you think of this plan? It sounds like a plan when you're not expecting something um, crazy to happen and you just <laughs> think that you're going to do what you want to do. And then um, you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Shit happens. I agree. It, it it doesn't seem like a plan that he's considering other people. There's not a lot of con like, you know? like w where's the plan B, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm. I do like when he like phone calls Shadow Throne. I think that's fun. Oh, my God. Yeah, he fucking FaceTimes Shadow Throne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really good. Yeah, I think that the, the that type of deployment of Shadow Throne is exactly my favorite type of deployment, you know? Mm -hmm. All right. So listen, we can, uh, you know, we'll just nod to it. There's like an attack at the end. The Talani Mass attack, Habore, yeah. Cutter, yeah. Scalara. Yeah. I will say, as someone who is on the record of having not enjoyed their journey, if the purpose of their journey ends up being they needed to get killed so they could go <laughs> somewhere afterwards, I, I, I will be a little upset. Mm. But it's hard to see how it could be anything else, considering it really seems like they all got brutally murdered. Yeah, it really does seem like that. Yeah. No. So, so listen, I was going to leave that there just because I don't know how to frame a question around it. And then additionally, I feel like we've kind of, it's been a long time since we've talked. We, we, we talked as much as we could about these chapters. We gave it our best shot. I don't think it's, you know, we didn't nail it. I'll give you that. But, okay, okay, um, come on. But I would like to just know where you guys are at with Bone Hunter so far, we're halfway through the book. What are you guys thinking, uh, Josh? I like it a lot. Yeah? I think, uh, unlike with the previous book where they, like, they really constrained us to, like, just the continent we were on and, and put us somewhere so far away, I like the return to all these characters. And even though, again, we're just on one continent, the amount that we are going outside of the natural world really makes it feel like a very wide 
spread book, but it's still being pretty self-contained, like, mm. in terms of not touching on other fronts. It's really so far been about this one battle and the, the crap happening here, and I think I'm I think I'm enjoying it a lot. And also, I love the 14th, and there's a lot of them, so <laughs> 10 out of 10 for me with that. Interesting. Inge, we're halfway through the book. What's your impression so far? It's not bad. I liked the beginning a lot more. I'm getting bored now, but I feel like that's because something else is going to have to happen soon. We've been told it. We've been told this is two books by Steve. So Mm -hmm. like two novels smashed together. Oh, that's what he. Okay. Yes. All right. Um, So I guess we're starting the second one. Mm. Maybe not. I don't know. But I think it's pretty good. I like um, I agree with Josh with that. I like that the return to the characters. Um especially some of the more like interesting characters. I think it's fun that we're learning more about all of the characters as well. Now that we have like a basic understanding of what's going on. Um, Mm. So I like that. The, I don't know. It's also just a really interesting um, story this time. Whereas before I think I'm just kind of like, what the fuck is going on now? It's more like, I guess easier to follow, which I like. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just the main point of enjoyment for me is that we see characters back that we haven't seen in a while and we're continuing with more stories and Absolar's in it. And it's not as confusing when they throw random shit in it. Like the, we know who this trade guild people are now. We know right. um, yeah. a little more about like, we know pretty much what things are supposed to be doing. So it's not as much of like a decoding thing for me now mm-hmm. and yeah so i would give it a like a seven out of ten seven out of ten so far odds uh, pretty good you um i am having a great time with this book uh like josh said steve has told us and i think he said it before in other places that this is two books like smashed together um and he told us or me i don't remember if i actually left in the episode but he told me that the the yigatan was like the conflict of the first book mm-hmm so like this whole rest of, of book two here was like the resolution. And so now we are kind of like go, going into book three. I feel like India's is right. We are now starting the second book. And uh, I, I mean, I'm just having a, a, a lovely time with it. Honestly, the beginning was was great. A reintroduction to my friends. Uh, the <laughs> Yigatan was just absolutely horrifying. Uh, and then these these four chapters were still just packed with like regular Malazan goodness that I enjoy. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm going to say as of right now, I think this is probably at the top of my, uh, my book rating controversial halfway through calling the shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's, it has a lot to do with what India said. We're like, we already have all of the setup and stuff. And so now we really, this really feels like the first Malazan book where we're like r- reading the book and not like yeah, learning, yeah, yeah. learning a history, you know, that's so right. I love that. Yeah. And so it's just really, it's just really fun and easy to read, and it's it's a great time. So I'm I'm having a wonderful time. I I won't say ten out of ten because uh I don't know it's not perfect I guess uh you know so like a nine well, point let's, nine point six. Let, you know what AJ? Let's see if this generous spirit keeps up by the end of the book. You know, let's yeah, see where yeah. we end up at. You know, yeah. Um, but I'm enjoying rereading the book. We'll talk about it later. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so that's all for today. Uh, let us know what you think of the show. We're ten very big books on Gmail and Twitter. Tell your friend about the show. Uh, I've been watching more YouTube. Maybe we should. I never tell people to like or subscribe or to <laughs> smash that like button. I mean, it just feels mm, like we're yeah. Leave a, leave a comment under the video. Yeah. Maybe we should start like a clothing line. You mm. know, this is something a lot of YouTubers do. You yeah. Know? Merch and stuff. Uh, yeah. 
Merch, baby. <laughs> cool beans. Well, uh, that's all for today. See you. Bye. Bye. Hello, everybody. Producer AJ here with some extremely bad neck pain. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and thank you so much for your patience as we got our scheduling reconfigured uh, and took a little extra time to get this episode out. Uh, if you'd like to give us your thoughts or feelings about this or any of our episodes, you can always email us, 10verybigbooks at gmail.com, tweet us at 10verybigbooks, or you can head on over to our Discord, bit.ly slash Discord. That's capital V, capital B, capital B, capital D, Discord. That link will also be in the show notes of course thank you to all of our wonderful patrons over on patreon if you'd like to pledge to our patreon you can head on over to patreon.com slash 10 very big books link is also in the show notes there was a lot of peas in that sentence and as always thank you so very much to dan gesrick for making our spectacular cover art you can follow him on twitter at a underscore w underscore dan g for some long missed philadelphia flyers tweets and of course the wonderful music in today's episode is by the one and only amaranthan from their album Simulant Rain, which you can find along with their other music on bandcamp.com. Links to their pages will be in the show notes and 10 very big books. We'll be back in two weeks on June 18th, where we will be discussing the Bone Hunters chapters 12 and 13. I'll talk to you then. And thank you so much for listening. Mm-hmm.